a very, very late-and-coming edition of the Anime TKO Podcast. I am your host, Zach. Uh, with me today is Rob from the Bonsai Bee Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me again. Uh, not a problem. Uh, the reason this podcast is about three months late is a very interesting story in which I had three jobs this summer working about 80 hours a week. I had no time to watch anime or wrestling, really, and pretty much no time to actually record a podcast. So Rob was nice enough to come on so we can talk about the events of the wrestling world over the summer and also talk about the very good anime movie, The Girl Who Lived Through Time. Yes. Um, so I guess we should probably get started since we have a lot to cover in the wrestling world. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess the first development that happened over the summer that was sad for the whole WWE was that Karma got pregnant about two weeks after debuting. Yeah, there was a huge backlash on that. Um... Some people calling her just, um, uh, what would you say? Just calling it irresponsible. That yeah, she would get it was totally irresponsible. I mean, she was supposed to change the entire Divas division in the WWE, and then she went and screwed it up, and now we have Kelly Kelly as a Divas champion. Yeah. Not that I'm really complaining about that, but. I mean, it's part of, it's part of what it is. I mean, yeah. Was it bad timing? Yeah, no doubt. But, I mean, she's a woman, and it's her choice if she wants to get pregnant. I mean, uh, it was, it's been about four months, three, four months now. we got six months to go, if not longer, because, I mean, just because she has a kid doesn't mean they're just going to like, all right, you had a kid yesterday? You're back on TV. But um, it'll, really come, it'll really come and play out. Is she going to get that same push that she had lined up? You know, they broke uh, kayfabe and said, legit, I'm having a baby. How are the fans going to, you know, perceive her now? I have no idea. They seem to take it pretty well at the raw that she did that on, but it was just sort of just this strange series of events. It was just like, she hadn't even had a real match yet. She had just kind of came really on cool and promos. squashed and squash some people. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. It's just... Paul Heyman probably said it best that Karma had the best debut since Brock Lesnar in the WWE. They really had something there, and people were really excited in a way that they hadn't been in the WWE for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And now... Uh, well, they're excited again, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, they're just, I don't know. The, the women's division in the WWE has been a joke probably since Trish Stratus retired in 2006 or so. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing, too. Everybody could step up as well. And um, they had Gail Kim, they still have Gail Kim on roster. I mean, they did nothing with her. You know, Karma wasn't the. End all, be all, for the divas. Uh, WWE doesn't, you know, take much stock in their divas anymore, and they have people like Gail Kim on the roster, 
and she's done nothing since you know resigning with the with the Fed. I don't know what three years ago, two three years ago. Yeah, actually, she's never she on TV. She's never high profile matches. I think the only quote unquote high profile thing she was in as uh, Daniel Bryan's girlfriend. Yeah, I actually do think that she did quit when um, the WWE had that whole blacklisting of some of their talent over the summer. I think she quit with uh, along with. Um, she claims she has, but the WWE hasn't let her out of her contract. So uh, uh, no one really knows what's going on. Whatever, you know, what more power to her. I, I I don't I don't understand the whole. You're making a good living. You're working in the premier wrestling organization. I mean, yeah, you're not you know top wrestler or anything of the div division, but you're getting a steady paycheck. I'm assuming it's pretty darn good for doing yeah. much of nothing, working house shows. It's not like they're asking you to be nude or anything. No, I, I just don't see the point. Yeah, that's true. Um, I know that she did recently get married to Robert Irvine of Food Network fame, but so he's got a rich. She's got a rich husband. So there you go. That's a reason why. Because I mean, like seriously, in this economy, you're gonna go tell your employer f off and like oh, I'm quitting. I'm yeah. gonna work for TNA. I'll get paid two hundred dollars a match. Have you read that report? That they said. Uh, Mickey James and, uh, what's her face? The country star. Mickey, Mickey James and, uh, uh, who's the redhead who did Playboy? Oh, uh, Christy Hemme? Yes, thank you. They both make, uh, a hundred, over six figures. They make six figures while the other divas make 600 up to $600 on appearance. That... TNA is a really big mess right now since Hogan got into it. and Well, it's been a big mess for a very long time. Yeah, I want to talk about TNA here in a minute, so we'll, we'll hold off here. Fed's easier to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Karma's, Karma is out of the picture for the moment. She said she'd be back in about a year, which means she is going to miss WrestleMania. It is what it is, though. I mean, um, maybe she might be a surprise... A surprise, uh, you know, at WrestleMania. You know, who knows? Uh, you know, I, I think in the end, you know, she's an adult. She made her choices. Uh, right or wrong, it's not for us to really... It's not really for us to decide. She's doing what she thinks she needs to do, and uh, it's up on uh, on the writers and how they want to perceive, you know, she may get consequences from this. She may be uh, jobbed out or something. She may not get that push anymore. And she might just be another diva on the roster. Who knows? But it will be very interesting to see what happens when she does come back, how they're going to portray her. Yeah, I was really excited when the, she was announced as a WWE diva. I oh, definitely. It brought some interest again to the much-lacking uh, Divas division. The, the, excuse me, the Divas division has turned into, let's go take a leak and grab a snack. Yeah, I mean... I was seeing her as like maybe the next China, but I don't know. Please just don't do porn. <laughs> yeah, please do not. Um, so moving on from Karma, uh, I guess moving a little bit away from the WWE because something actually happened in about July uh, before the WWE really exploded. Uh, 
the ultimate warrior resurfaced out of the gloom of parts unknown and really made a uh, name for himself again with some internet videos. Uh, he's just climbing for attention. Give me a break. You know, this guy has always been a a a leech who can't get out of the limelight, who always needs to have his stupid opinion heard, and I think he's just a, a an old man living off the the you know his days in the wrestling ring. He actually thinks people give a flying blank about his opinions on stuff. Yeah, he claimed Hogan and Brutus Beak or who was it? Is that, Hogan was gay or something? He, no, he said. I rewatched the Karma's Coming Collect videos this morning. Basically, what he said was that Hogan had been lying to everybody for a very, very long time. And no one can be if you if you're a wrestling fan who's a smart or who's been around for a while. Uh, that's not going to shock anybody. Right. I mean, Hogan is a dirtbag. We all know this. But what Warrior did was basically he went out and said, Hogan does a lot of drugs. Hogan has made people junkies. He has an open, he had an open relationship with his wife. Um, and a whole bunch of other things. And basically he, Warrior said that Hogan had been trying for about 20 years to make Warrior's life miserable. Uh, Warrior is very high, like, you know, high on his horse. There's no doubt about that. But there are some truths to what he said. I mean, yes, did he have to say it? No, but it was interesting to see. Just because nobody has really, like, stepped up to Hogan for a while. And especially after Macho Man's death and then that whole HDNet uh, interview he did where he kind of threw, you know, he kind of threw Randy under the bus by, like, make, saying, oh, Randy, blame me for everything. Yeah, that was thing. pretty cold, but, I mean, still, come on. Why the hell would Hulk Hogan want anything to do with Ultimate Warrior. This dude's a lunatic. He legally changed his name to Ultimate Warrior. Give me a break. Yeah, I know. He did legally change his name to Warrior. He is off his rocker. There is no doubt about that. And I, I really think that he is jealous of his former tag team partner, Sting, who has had a much better career than uh, Warrior pretty much ever had. Uh, well, yeah, that. And you know what, though? It comes down to personal decision. From what I understand, this guy was a dirtbag. He couldn't wrestle. He stiffed promoters. He no-show. He just, you know, it's how you conduct yourself, you know, day-to-day -day in your business. Whether it be a Walmart employee or a pro wrestler, you know, your characters will get, will get you by in any job. And now I think this guy is old. He's not making much money. And uh, he uses the internet, just like Matt Hardy does, to get attention and rile up fans and think that people actually give a flying blank about what he has to say on anything and make outlandish claims. I'm surprised Hogan didn't sue him for slander or something. Hogan was saying that he was going to, but nothing really ever came of it, um, except for the, the HDNet guys were actually going to have him on as an interview guest. Um, but 
something happened where Warrior is living. Like, I guess, like, he said there was a bunch of ash in the air, so I'm assuming he lives near a volcano or something. <laughs> and he said that that's going on, that was going on, and so he didn't answer their email, and then they got really angry at him. <laughs> There's a lot of ash. I'm sorry my email just isn't working correctly. The <laughs> ash in the air. No, he said he was he was concerned about the quality of his uh, children's living conditions that weekend, and he didn't answer their emails, so they got very angry at him. See, this is stupid. See, this is what I meant. Go. I refer back to how you conduct yourself. You want people to take you seriously? Just be sane. God, I I don't know. I just I didn't watch the videos. I I watched the promos for him. Now it just seemed like he was just rambling on, just taking shots at Hogan and making these outlandish claims. And hell, maybe they may be true. I, I don't know. I don't know Hulk Hogan. I don't know Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, but, uh, I don't think anybody can really confirm these besides Hogan himself. And Hogan is definitely denying them. Uh, what happened afterwards, though, were uh, a few other wrestlers uh, that were really not really as well known as... Uh, Hogan or Warrior, for that matter, came out of the woodwork and said, yeah, some of the things Warrior said were true, and then Hogan kind of said, no, that's not true. Well, but, of course Hogan would say that. I slept with my... I let people sleep with my wife, brother. Yeah, STDs, brother. Yeah, I, I don't know. Linda McMahon... Or Linda McMahon. <laughs> Linda Hogan, whatever her, her name is, did write a book. But, I haven't read it. Yeah, right. either of I, I could give a f flying blank less. If uh, honestly, I just think the whole situation is just a train wreck of former, you know, stars just trying to cling to their fame and just making asses of themselves. Right. And, I uh, think that the only wrestler that makes slightly good videos on the internet is Val Venus. Eh, his first one was kind of meh, but yeah. I mean, I know he's a crazy libertarian, and that's just why I enjoy watching them, because I disagree <laughs> with him so much. But there are some things that he says that are true. He he was the only one who really went after Matt Hardy. Well, we know who's not voting for Ron Paul. <laughs> yeah, Val Venus. I, I, it's just so weird to see these guys in their normal, you know, hey, I'm Bob Johnson, a.k.a. Val Venus. I played a porn star, but in reality, I like baseball, and I have a bar, and I'm in my house, I'm in a t-shirt, like nothing like my character. Yeah, I, I know, so it's, it's, it's weird to see professional wrestlers outside of their own, um... Out of their stage and pop. Yeah, yeah out of their element, basically. Um... I guess going, staying outside of the wrestling ring, I guess uh, Gregory Helms had a really bad motorcycle accident this summer and nearly died. Yep, and now he's already been charged with DWI again. Whoa, that's a surprise. <sighs> yeah, so he had a bad crack up here in North Carolina, and uh, him and his girlfriend were pretty banged up, but he, nothing serious, stitches, and, and then, yeah, that's all he really heard, and... Now he's just been claiming, you know, been harassing everybody in the internet about Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy, and we don't know the real story. 
The truth will come out. I'm Shannon Moore. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Gregory, Gregory Helms is just... He is also extremely crazy. He gets drunk and he has his own web show, and then he went after Shawn Michaels for a very, very long time. Yeah. Again, I, I just... I, I, uh, I just don't play into these... Um, these online videos. I just think they're just so... Uh, unneeded. Yeah, they are unneeded. I just watch them because it actually gives me something to do. <laughs> there you go. Um, going back to the wrestling ring, I guess we could talk about TNA. I haven't really kept up with them too, too much. I haven't much either, but I gotta say, the one thing they did right this year, this summer, this summer, I should say, Destination X, they put a focal point on the X Division. They were bringing in talent from the indie circuits and having them wrestle and get contracts and things of that nature. It was really great for them to return to, uh, in my opinion, what made TNA what it is now. Um, and it was just a great viewing experience. It's like, finally, we're away from all the stupid BS crap for the majority of those impacts that they're leading up to Destination X. And we were seeing high-flying X Division action. Yeah, Destination X was actually very good. I mean, they brought in people like Jerry Lynn and Austin Aries and even people, former WWE stars like Jimmy Wang Yang. Mm -hmm. Who then claimed he didn't get paid. <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. Uh, the same with the Bound for Glory tournament, at least the early on portions. Now, uh, it, it's a train wreck. But uh, I, I really thought that the uh, the the... They were going to actually spend time, months and months, building to this. With matches that mattered. Even the house shows that mattered. And it gave people reason to go you know, go get tickets to the house shows. You weren't just seeing squash matches or whatever. Every match with the people involved in the tournament actually had a reason, you know, had a reason behind it. Yeah, and then, of course, TNA did what TNA does and ruins everything. Yeah, yeah. But that's all I really got to say about TNA. Um, I don't watch it on a regular basis. I I just listen to another podcast that reviews it, and I'm like, yeah, it's good enough for me. I've tried watching TNA. It, it's just so boring. It, it's illogical. It's I, I don't enjoy watching Sting versus Hogan versus Bischoff versus uh, Ric Flair and... I I, st I wanted to watch TNA from 2003, 2002, when it was X Division and all these new stars I never heard of and matches like Amazing Red versus Samoa Joe. Uh, TNA now is uh, horrible. Yeah, it's and, basically uh, WCW 2.0. Oh well, yeah, and they're circling the drain. But let's talk about Sting for a minute. Yeah. Uh, Sting had a very interesting transformation over the summer. Yeah. To say the least. Now, we'll look at the evolution of Sting for a minute. When Sting started out, he was in a tag team with the Ultimate Warrior, and they were and they were called the Blade Runners, and I think uh, Sting was a Blade Runner Slash or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, they split up very early on in their career, and Sting went to the NWA, and Ultimate Warrior went to WCCW in Texas. From there, Sting became Sting. 
but he became like a surfer. Was dude. he a surfer? Yeah, that's the earliest I remember. Sting was his surfer, and he had didn't he have face paint on them too? Yeah, he had the face paint. <laughs> yeah. He had bleached blonde hair, and didn't he, he have like yellow and red trunks? It was like all like tie dye and. Yeah, he had. He was very flamboyant looking. Um, Sting really became known for Clash of Champions 1, where he faced Ric Flair and won his first world title. And then NWA became WCW, and Sting kind of transformed, formed a team with Lex Luger, and he kind of, like, slipped back into the shadows for a little while, and then he came back as this character that you kind of see now, the character that you saw in early TNA when he was first brought in, uh, the white face paint and the black and the long black hair and the trench coat. The crow sting. Right. Based on the this science fiction thing, the crow. And then over the summer, Sting has become Heath Ledger as the Joker. <sighs> yeah. I, I, I didn't care for it. I... It's it's not unique. It's not original. And it almost harpens back right to his crow gimmick. Right. It, it's not original, but it actually is, in a sense, in a way, almost brilliant. Because, you see, Sting has worked in such horrible companies for so long that he has actually gone insane. <laughs> that could be it. And so, I, I think that... <laughs> I think that's all we have to really say about TNA. We're going to move on, and we're going to have to actually talk about WWE again, and we're going to talk about something that has gotten me very jazzed. We're going to talk about CM Punk. Yes. Oh, man. What a turnaround. What a turnaround. Um... I can actually bring up some of the audio, if you wish, of that shoot promo, or of the quote-unquote shoot promo. Sure, why not? Um, let's let's hear some of that. Yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah, the talk about a uh, uh, 180. Here at first, CM Punk was a mid-card to main eventer, but not established. Not really. I have... A lot of things I want to get off my chest. There's one thing you're better at than I am, and that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You're as good as kissing Vince's ass as Hulk Hogan was. I don't know if you're as good as Dwayne, though. He's a pretty good ass kisser. Always was and still is. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I am the best wrestler in the world. I've been the best ever since day one when I walked into this company and I've been vilified and hated since that day because Paul Heyman saw something in me that nobody else wanted to admit. That's right, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. You know who else was a Paul Heyman guy? Brock Lesnar. And he split, just like I'm splitting, but the biggest difference between me and Brock is I'm going to leave with the WWE Championship. 
I'm leaving with the WWE Championship on July 17th. And who knows? Maybe I'll go defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor. Hey, Cole Cabana, how you doing? The reason I'm leaving is you people, because after I'm gone, you're still going to pour money into this company. I'm just a spoke on the wheel. The wheel's going to keep turning, and I understand that. But Vince McMahon's going to make money despite himself. He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? It's because he surrounds himself with glad-handing, nonsensical, douchebag like John Laurinaitis, who's going to tell him everything that he wants to hear. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead. But the fact is, it's, it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Yes. Okay, so basically what CM Punk did is what no WWE superstar has ever done before. He has made the WWE see that he is more valuable to them than uh, that, you know, that they need him more than he needs them. And, oh, yeah, that, yeah that, that was amazing. Um, <clears throat> I mean, earlier in the night, they had that great back and forth with Shawn Michaels and, and, uh, and Stone Cold even the week prior, I believe. And, uh, man, this just came out of nowhere. Um, and it really lit a fire under both CM Punk and, <clears throat> and the Fed. Um, like you said, nobody had ever really done this before, at least on American TV. I mean, right. there's been shoot promos, of course. Um, you know, look, go look at, uh, WCW 7. Yeah, it's right. gold dust. You know, that's a very, I gotta not say famous, but a very well known shoot promo, I, I guess. Um, but, man, this was just awesome. Here when CM Punk turned from like this kind of mid-card, you know, main eventer to the, the top of the hill in, in 15 minutes. This had the online wrestling community just up in arms going, holy crap. And everyone thought this was a shoot. Like, no one knew if it was legit or if it was fake. Right. I mean, there was actually certain clues that you could actually go back and look at to see that this was actually, you know, this was a work shoot promo. Mm -hmm. uh, for one thing, there was, right before uh, CM Punk did this, there was a match between John Cena and R-Truth because R-Truth actually got a semi-push over the summer, which is actually surprising because, yeah. you know, black people don't usually get... <laughs> you said it. Um, I, actually, speaking of R-Truth real quick, I really like what he's had to do, and I'm really glad he's getting a push, and, you know, and uh, it, he's been a very interesting character over the summer. Yes. Um, but wait, if you look at that match, like maybe like five minutes before the end of it, the little signature that says Raw 2011 WWE property, whatever comes up, mm -hmm. and you can see that. So, you know, there was a little, there's little things that show like, yeah, this is kind of like planned a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was referring to a match. Um, so basically, earlier in the night, he came out and said, 
my contract ends on July 17th. Or no, it was a week prior, I believe. Right. He came out and said, my contract ends July 17th. I am not re-signing. But he had already become the number one contender for the uh, the the championship. So here we had this first factor of, holy crap, CM Punk might actually walk out with the title. To this shoot promo, uh, putting it loosely, to now being like, yeah, this guy is saying everything that makes sense. And he's speaking to us, the internet wrestling community, and just in general, like the stupidity of some of the stuff, like not being able to use the word wrestler. You know, the WWE not downplaying, not calling them wrestlers, calling them superstars. You know, wrestling's a dirty word. And uh, it was just amazing. And it brought so much to the to the uh, Money in the Bank pay-per-view. So the, for the following weeks, he'd do these uh, promos where he would just point out everything that was wrong with the Federation. And it got kind of absurd, though, with the whole Vince McMahon uh, wanting to re-sign Punk beforehand and this and that and John Cena agreeing with CM Punk. And it got a little absurd. But come the pay-per-view, it was still, I consider it the best pay-per-view of the year so far. Yeah, I would totally agree. The entire think, card was great. Right, I mean, I didn't watch uh, Money in the Bank live because I was actually working. Mm. I actually got, like, a little bit of, like, a download of it, and then I watched it like that. But I was watching it maybe, like, a few days later, and even though it, I, it wasn't, like, live... Just to hear the sound of the Chicago crowd at Money in the Bank gave me goosebumps. Oh, it was great. This... Go ahead. It was insane. It was just like, oh my god. It was just like... And, I don't know, I mean, having CM Punk actually win the title and then not be seen for like two weeks was great. Oh, see, that's what really soured me. I mean... Uh, the entire Money in the Bank pay-per-view was great, and then he had this great main event to top it off. CM Punk goes over. Amazing. What's going to happen next? You don't see him. And then he shows up eight days later. Well, Meanwhile, yeah. WWE has already crowned a new champion, and twice. So the next night on Raw, they have some kind of stupid tournament, and then, oh, God. And then Triple H has named the CEO or whatever he's calling himself now. So Chief then they put the officer. Yeah, last time I, you know, I don't know. That's the first. It's a first for wrestling. And um, in a span of like two weeks, the WWE title had changed hands three times, or something like that. And this is where I just really thought everything kind of fell apart. Was they brought back Punk eight days later? Yeah, is he still over? Yes. But the luster and what they could have did with him all went away, in my opinion. They blew their load way too quick and thought without Punk that everything would tank. And that's really kind of started souring me on this whole uh, storyline with CM Punk. I, I think he's still great. I think he's still great on the mic. But um, now, I mean, 
he's being fed to Triple H. Yeah, being called a I little mean, girl. I mean, uh, how much longer can you go on being uh, uh, what CM Punk is doing? You can't week after week point everything out or how, you know, you can't keep talking to the internet wrestling community because you're going to run out of things to say. Right. I agree with you. I I would say, though, that I didn't really start to go, okay, maybe this is going to end badly until after SummerSlam because I watched SummerSlam live and to see that, okay, we're going to talk about SummerSlam, the card, and we're probably also probably you should mention the Money in the Bank winners, but we'll talk about the whole CM Punk situation first. Um, to see CM Punk not only beat John Cena once, but twice, and actually, you know, cleanly... Well, I mean, SummerSlam not really cleanly beat him, but still, he went over the biggest star in the company twice, basically making him one of the biggest stars in the company. Oh, but yeah. He, Legitimately. Well, he also did that through on his own, though. His mic work put him over as well. That's true, I mean, but just I mean... facing John Cena doesn't make you an instant, like, oh my god, you're number one. But yeah, definitely. He's now established himself as a main event player. Right, because, I mean, usually, you know, there are people who win the world title. Let's take Jack Swagger, for example. Jack Swagger won the world title, but he never beat anybody who was really over you know, I mean, Big Show does not count. Mm -hmm. Rey Mysterio, uh, he's not really over with most of the of the WWE universe, let's say. Well, problem was, he was a SmackDown champion. SmackDown's never really had credible, like... John Cena's ruled the roost. You know, Edge maybe would be second. Um, you know, maybe Edge, I guess, at the time, would have been a... Uh, would have been good. Right. As him world champion, but that was about it. I mean, uh, I know exactly where you're going with this, and yeah, Jack Swagger's now on Superstars. Right, Jack Swagger is now on Superstars. He hasn't won a title in over a year. Maybe it's closer to two now. So, you you see this now. You, you see that CM Punk has become basically a very legitimate superstar, and then... Triple H has to stick his nose into it, his over-large nose. Um, I don't get it. Triple H is supposed to be done as a wrestler because, you know, he's supposed to be the next Vince McMahon. We all knew this was going to happen. This, as soon as we heard that he had married Stephanie McMahon, we knew that Triple H was going to take over the company someday. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, this is... Yeah. There was a cool statistic that came out after Triple H was quote unquote the you know new run you know running of the WWE quote unquote. Right. Vince McMahon had tried killing his character off five years in a row, but due to the circumstances such as the Benoit tragedy um, and other factors, he had to keep coming on TV. You know, remember right. his coma? Remember the yeah. stage yeah. falling on him? Remember yeah. the limo blowing up? <laughs> yeah, the limo blowing up right after uh, Owen Hart died was not really good. Oh, no, that was Chris Benoit. Owen Hart was... Oh. No, yeah. But uh, for the last five years or so, Vince McMahon has been trying to get off of TV once and for all. And I think they finally did it. Yes, I think they did too. But, I mean, even though Vince McMahon has been, you know, 
in the like has wrestled in the past. I mean, he was out of the wrestling ring for such and such a for such a long time that once he finally got into it, people were, you know, they they were kind of wary of it. I mean, Triple H hadn't hasn't been in the wrestling ring since um, WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleMania when he faced the Undertaker. I don't think that enough time has passed to say that Triple H has finally like taken over Vince McMahon's. Oh no no no! And of course not. In reality, no, he hasn't. He's just an on-stage character. What right. I'm saying is, Vince has been trying to get off of TV once and for all, and just running the wrestling, you know, running the company, like he, you know, like he did. Um, and just staying off of TV and being done. Mr. McMahon is dead now, you know? Right. No, no, I understand. I mean, in the average wrestling viewer's eyes, though, oh, tri yeah. Triple H is supposed to be the next big guy, you know, he's yes, supposed yeah, to be yeah. in the company. But now that he is uh, kind of reinserting himself into a wrestling, into a wrestling uh, character, being the cerebral assassin again... Mm -hmm. He's kind of ruining it. He's kind of ruining the luster of it. I mean, we pretty much everybody above the age of like ten really knows that wrestling is fake. Yeah, and yeah. Well, let's talk about SummerSlam here, or let's talk a little bit about you know how Triple H came back and whatnot leading into SummerSlam. Well, leading into SummerSlam, uh, he didn't have a match. I no, no, he didn't. Uh, I mean, basically, what happened was. The day after SummerSlam, uh, for, no, did it day after Money in the Bank? Yeah, day after Money in the Bank. Excuse me. Uh, Triple H came out and basically said, "Vince, the board of directors has stated that you're unstable, and so I'm taking over." And then he was like crying, and Vince was crying, and everybody was really sad over it. And then, of course. SummerSlam happened. Uh, Punk beat Cena. I can't even believe I'm going to say this and believe Vince, this is with all due respect. I'm here to inform you. That Vince, you are relieved of your duties. Please understand I did not want to do this I'm trying to do what's right for the business look at me look at me I love you pop I love the fact that I didn't edit in here though because <laughs> I'm sorry look at me <laughs> Look at me, Vince. I love you, Pop. Yeah, I love like, you. Oh, God. Yeah, it was really bad. It was like the, you know, the stereotypical male soap opera wrestling storyline. And so, you know, it was really corny. Um, and I don't know. I'm not as big of a hater of... Uh, Triple H as Daryl Surratt is. Oh, I hate... I... You hate Triple H? I don't like what Triple H... Uh, I like him as a wrestler. He, I, I 
Hell, I used to have the Triple H uh, basketball jersey. Um, and a couple of his t-shirts. But, um, it, it always just feels like he's got to get himself over. Yeah. For the first, so, so this happened, and Raw went off the air. For the following two weeks, Triple H was the first thing we saw on Raw. And on SmackDown. And on SmackDown. And then SummerSlam happened. So let's talk about SummerSlam, because, yeah. Okay. So basically we had um, John Cena versus... So Triple H said there's going to be a unification of the titles at SummerSlam. Because CM Punk came back out because Triple H was like, Oh, yeah, I resigned him. Yeah, I'm great. And they both came out and held up their titles, and they were like, Oh, my God, who's the true champion? When clearly it should have been uh, CM Punk. Because, yeah, they had a fraud of a title tournament. Um... So it was CM Punk versus John Cena match number two. Right. That was all they really built for SummerSlam, unfortunately. So yeah, let's go, ahead, go through the card real quick. Okay, so the card of SummerSlam was basically like, even the day before SummerSlam, there was only four matches really announced. There was Kelly Kelly versus Beth Phoenix for the Divas title. There was Mark Henry versus Sheamus. There was... Randy Orton versus Christian again. Match number 5,000. Exactly. And then there was CM Punk versus John Cena. And of course, that they, they've added, they added a few other matches. They added, uh, Wade Barrett versus Daniel Bryan. And then they had the performance by CeeLo Green where he made the vagina licking sign on, on a, PG-rated thing, and everybody was... I was watching that, and actually I was watching it with my grandmother. <laughs> and she saw that, and she was like, Zachary, why did he do that? And I go, I have no idea. <laughs> That's awesome. So, we see we see all of this happen. Um, and then, of course, CM Punk versus... Uh, I mean, the matches at SummerSlam were actually quite good for what oh, they but this were. build was just horrid. Probably one of the most terrible builds in recent memory for a, for a pay-per-view. This card was clearly... You were buying this pay-per-view for John Cena versus... Uh, John Cena versus CM Punk. Nothing more. Exactly. But, I mean, Awful. the matches themselves were quite good oh, even no. though they were kind of thrown together. I, I really liked the, uh, the Daniel Bryan-Wade Barrett match. I, Very I good did, technical match. Yes, I did like that match. Um, Mark Henry actually had a very good match. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. Exactly. Mark Henry never has a good match. And I, <laughs> I think that really speaks volumes to how much Sheamus has actually grown as a performer to make somebody like Mark Henry actually look good. Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, this push they got Mark Henry on right now is actually decent. Let's just hope he doesn't injure himself for the ninth millionth time. Yeah, or I'm really worried uh, that about the next coming pay-per-view, Mark Henry versus Randy Orton, but we'll get to that in a mm -hmm, second. Mm -hmm. uh, Randy Orton versus Christian was, I mean, every time they have a match, it's good. I just wish that we they would stop doing it. Yeah, and then this was probably the best match out of all their matches. A very good match. But yeah, yeah it's it's been done to death. They've done, done I think, what, six matches now? Yeah, they did six matches after the SmackDown, and I, and mean, I mean, they've all basically been the same. Yeah, even at SummerSlam, it was just like, 
<sighs> okay, what now? Even though I it mean, turned out to be really good, it was just still like, come on. Yeah. Um, so, the ending of SummerSlam, though, is actually something that was kind of contentious, because, first off, we see the return of Kevin Nash. First, I thought it was someone new. I'm like, holy crap, someone new is debuting. Awesome. Uh, yeah. It's just Kevin Nash. Yeah, when I actually <laughs> saw it, for when I first saw it, I thought it might actually be uh, a returning Mason Ryan. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and then I realized Mason Ryan is not that tall, even though they try to make him be the next Batista. Um, so when Kevin Nash came out and did the jackknife, the CM Punk, we were like, okay, what what the hell is going on? And then I was like, okay, I know what's going to happen. Alberto Del Rio is going to come out, and then Alberto Del Rio came out and became the WWE champion. Yeah, this... Uh... I mean, Since in one month, in one, three, what was it, three weeks. Four Since title changes. Four ti yeah, ridiculous. That is almost as bad as the WCW ch having the title change seven times in a month. Yeah, I mean, it just so, it takes away so much credibility to the title. And here's the thing that really bothered me, too, about this whole Alberto, Alberto Del Rio title change was... He even admitted it over the weekend, leading up to summer. He had some interview with uh, with a TV station, or, or I don't remember exactly who it was with. But he had an interview, and they asked him, "Oh, are you going to cash in your money in the bank?" He goes, "Well, you know, you have to wait and see. We'll see how things play out at the pay per view, and then we'll see about cashing it in." And it was just like, oh, "Well, you just just gave it away." Well, I mean, you had, it wasn't you a had surprise. to ex I mean, Yeah, yeah. That is true. It wasn't much of a surprise. It was kind of... You kind of knew it was going to come, because I think other than one time, the titles always change hands in some controversial way. Yeah, I mean, the only winners. time that somebody has actually had a match, cast it in for a match, was Rob Van Dam, but they do not talk about that, because Rob Van Dam does not exist anymore. Nope. So, yeah. So, uh, uh, Alberto won the championship. Old ass Kevin Nash came back. And, uh, that's how we kind of went off of SummerSlam going, alright. Yeah, Kevin Nash returned. And you know what? It is really weird. I was actually on WWE.com and I was kind of just like, you know, looking around. And they had this article. It's like Kevin Nash had the same shirt on that he had when the NW or the NWO was formed. Do you think that the NWO is going to no. be reformed? No, 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 no. No, I know they're not going to do that. But they had like an article, and they were like, "Okay, who is the superstars who are going to be in the NWO if it does get get reformed?" Yuck. And I'm just like, it was like Zack Ryder, and I'm like, no, they won't do that because Zack Ryder's a fan favorite right now. And then Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase, and I'm like, no, they're not going to do that because they fight all the time. And then it's, you know, it was just like it was ridiculous, but it was just a, it was just like a funny article. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would you give SummerSlam overall? I would probably, I would say it would be if it was out of five, I would probably give it a three and a half. If the last two minutes hadn't happened, it would have been a four. I'd give it a three as well. I. I I give it a three. I just, I thought the build was awful and clearly just rushed everything. 
And um, but I mean, overall, I mean, it was it was watchable. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but uh, I I really think that uh, they should have held off on doing uh, Money in the Bank and waiting till SummerSlam. Imagine the buy rate for that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it, I mean, yeah. I mean, SummerSlam is supposed to be the. Uh, it's like the WrestleMania of Summer. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be the three. WrestleMania of Summer. They always have like a musical guest and stuff, and it always falls short. I mean, there have been very good matches at SummerSlam, but the overall batting record for SummerSlam has always been kind of off. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that is basically what is going on in the wrestling world. I mean, we've skipped over some things. Um, Alberto Del Rio, as we said, as the... What do you think as Alberto as champion? I mean, like... Uh, he's basically yeah. just the same person, except he has a belt now. They they didn't do anything to really change him, and he's basically being a coward. They're, they're almost doing the Miz thing all over again. Making... I know that when they're trying to do... What they're trying to do is make Alberto Del Rio seem really important, mm-hmm. and that he can't come out and and stuff, but really, they're just making him look like a coward. And, you know, I guess heels are supposed to do that sometimes, but I miss the Randy Orton heel, I'm going to be forward about it, and I'm going to kick your ass. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's just kind of... I don't know. Uh, the summer has had very big highs and very big lows, uh, it's been a roller coaster ride, and I actually wish I was actually I had actually started reporting on it as it was happening because I would have been it would have been just interesting to see. But yeah, Cena Punk Cena really did carry the bulk of the summer. But I mean, overall, I I, I thought it was great. Um, it made me interested again. I mean. Uh, if I had cable, I'd be definitely order. I would have ordered Money in the Bank. Um, you know, I, I just wow. I mean, the WWE took a chance and it paid off great, and I think really brought a lot of attention back to pro wrestling over the summer. And I think it's a good time to do it because, yeah, uh, people are usually not watching as much because it's you know it's summertime. It's beautiful out. We've also had hot as Hades days. And craziness of that, so you know, Monday nights you have something to go watch when it's you know ninety nine degrees out and nine million degrees humidity, <laughs> and uh, they made it interesting for sure. Yeah, I think that they really needed to do this because they had a very mediocre WrestleMania this year. Oh, definitely. But also talking about WrestleMania, I did watch. Uh, I did watch the WrestleMania showing that they had on NBC. <laughs> How was the, that? The day before the uh, SummerSlam. And it was very interesting because uh, they'd show, they show one match usually, and this time they showed Undertaker versus Triple H. Mm-hmm. That's not really surprising. What was surprising, though, was the way they edited it. <laughs> uh, because, you see... Triple H didn't come out to the game as he did. Well, at no, of course. Then. Even on the even on the WrestleMania Blu-ray and DVDs, they don't have the Metallica song, which is unfortunate. Right. Actually, I, for the airing, they had the Metallica song be his uh, 
entrance theme all the way through. Oh, really? Yes. But Undertaker's theme was actually very surprising. It was Katy Perry's Extraterrestrial. <laughs> awesome. That makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. So it was just like, I was watching it and um, I was... My mom was... How do you emasculate the Undertaker? Give him the Carrie, the the what's her name, Katy Perry. Yeah. Give her the give him the Katy Perry entrance music. Everything you know about the Undertaker is instantly gone. Yeah, I'm like his badassness I, is gone. I literally looked at my mom and I was like, "What the hell is this shit?" And I was I was just, I was I was bullshit and angry. I was just like, "Why are they defaming the Undertaker in this way? What has he done to anybody to deserve this?" But, yeah. So that was basically the wrestling part of the summer. Um, I guess we can now move on into anime, which is why pretty much everybody listens to this. Um, and we're going to be talking about a very good movie called uh, The Girl Who Left Through Time, which I watched last night, and I absolutely loved it. Just to get that right out of the way. I didn't watch the ending yet. You haven't watched the ending yet? I have not watched the ending. I've read what happens, but I don't know. <laughs> it was it was different than what I was expecting. I'll say that. Yeah, um, from what I read, it was very unique. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, so The Girl Who Left Through Time was originally a novel by Yoshitaka Tsutsui, who people who either listen to the Anime World Order or are big fans of Satoshi Kon will know is the author of the novel that was made into the movie Paprika. Now, um, this this uh, movie was the basically the major uh, debut of Mamoru Hosoda, who is an up and coming anime director. Uh, he had done some things before, um, probably most notably because it actually came out into theaters in the United States was the first Digimon movie. Um, and so, basically, this is a very strange... Oh, oh Carl, come on. You brought up Digimon and now the cops are coming after you. Yeah, the, yeah, the cops are coming. I don't know. I, I'm on campus... I don't know. Uh, oh, it's an ambulance. Somebody probably had alcohol poisoning. <laughs> um, it's um, it's a it's a it's a very different anime movie than the the stuff that has usually came out over the past couple of years because usually movies in anime now are usually big properties like the Shonen Jump properties or Lupin the Third or something like that. This was basically an original story. Um, and a sequel to the original novel, as it turns out, is if you watch the movie, and that's not really giving away anything. Um, so, it, it, it's more innocent, I would want to say. It's like, there's nothing sinister about it, like a lot of anime about young girls in high school are. There's no blood, there's no panty shots, there's like... It's just all story, it was awesome. Right. It was it was just a good story. And the <laughs> I, 
Another ambulance is coming by, maybe? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another ambulance is coming by. Okay, I think it's gone now. <laughs> yeah, this story was 100%. We are telling you a story. No fan service, no violence. This would be a perfect show to show your uh, younger kids or or anybody who wants to... Just showing them what anime is that's outside of everyone thinking what anime is. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's a it's a good movie. It's a straight up good movie. Uh, I'm actually was actually kind of um, I I knew this movie existed when it first came out. I just never got around to watching it because there is actually just so much to watch now. Mm -hmm. um, it was released by Bandai um, Entertainment, not Bandai Visual. Thank God. Um, but it was released by Bandai Entertainment, and I was actually kind of surprised that it didn't get like an, at least a nomination for the Academy Award that year for Best Animated Picture. Because uh, I think it came out in, like, 2006? No, 2008. So, I mean, at that time, there really wasn't anything that could, in my opinion, that was out then that could have actually competed with it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I guess we should probably just uh, stop uh, saying uh, background stuff about it and that it's good and actually talk about the story. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's a review after all. Uh, so, oh, the story follows this girl named Makoto and she is basically a average... Uh, shoujo-style heroine. She's kind of stupid. She sleeps in all the time. Um, and she's about to enter high school or college or something like that. She's about to graduate to the next level of schooling. She's not really sure what to do with her life. And basically, all she really wants to do is continue to play baseball with her two friends, um whose names are escaping me right now. Yeah, same here. Uh, cool oh, guy number A and cool guy number B. Uh, Kosuke and Chiaki. There That's we go. It. Um, so, they basic, basically, um, at the start of the movie, uh, Makoto has like the worst day ever possible for a Japanese student. She oversleeps, She's almost late for school, and when she gets to school, she has to have this really hard test, which she has no idea what the answers are. And then... Bad things just keep happening through her, to her throughout the day. Yeah, I mean, like, she gets... Uh, two kids are actually uh, playing professional wrestling. <laughs> wrestling. And then the one guy who probably doubles her weight gets thrown into her, and she gets, like, banged into a tree... Comically, not violently, and then like uh, oh, the guy's like knocked out too, like all on her, like oh, I've been knocked out on your soft boobs. Yeah, <laughs> and then she almost burns down her uh, her Olmec her Olmec uh, room. Yeah, because she can't do tempura correctly. She's trying to do tempura shrimp, and basically throws a whole cabbage in there somehow, and nearly burns down everything. And to and top it off. Her sister ate her pudding that she yeah. was saving. Yeah, her sister ate her pudding, which is unforgivable. Apparently. You never eat somebody else's pudding. But 
Anyway. I was waiting for a cameo from uh, from Bill Cosby. Oh, the pudding and the cuckoo-cachoo. Exactly. Come on. That would have been awesome. Um, and so she's uh, finishing out the day. She has to bring up all these surveys to, like, a science room. And she is basically, she goes into the this, this science room and she thinks she hears something. So she goes into this room and she finds this thing that kind of looks like a big walnut that's gray. And then she, she like trips on something. Yeah, she trips it's, it's on kinda, something. It's kind of, it's kind of weird how they get to this point because it's just kind of like nowhere. They don't really explain it very well. It's like you tripped and... And then you see this, uh, you see this gray walnut, and then you have a hallucinogenic vision about cows in a field or something. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And she basically wakes up, and she finishes it, finishes everything up, and she looks at, uh, she finishes up what she's doing, and she looks up at the blackboard, and on the blackboard in English is the words "time waits for nobody," which is basically the overall message of the entire film. It's very important. And so, um, she's going home, and she's running down, and she's basically riding her bike down a hill extremely fast, and she realizes that her brakes are not working. And as she keeps going and going, she keeps... She gains more speed. She loses a shoe while she's trying to, like, skid her feet to stop. And she hits the, like, guardrail that basically separates people walking across the street from an oncoming train. And you see her die. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I was like, holy crap. Right, you see her die. And then a a second or two later, you see her and she's... She fell on top of this very fat woman and her leeks and her milk while she was grocery shopping. And she doesn't exactly know what happened. And so she goes and sees her aunt and says, and basically explains what happened. And the aunt goes, oh, you leapt through time. Yeah, she's like nonchalant, like, yeah. oh, I've done that before. Yeah, really yeah, 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 you leapt through time. I used to do that. And so she tries to figure out how she can do it, and it's actually kind of comical because she like jumps off her bed, and you, and then they like breaks to her parent and her little sister are like eating, and they hear the crash on the floor, and the little sister comes up and she's about to jump out the window. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. And she's like, "I'm sorry, I ate your pudding. Don't die." <laughs> so basically, wait for her to jump back in time, and she has to put herself in like fast motion so like she'll go running off the side of a hill a very steep hill off a cliff to jump through a, to jump through the time stream or something and usually she ends up turning into a ragdoll dummy and like smashing into stuff when she comes to yeah and she like ends up doing like these really good like gymnastic roles I mean if she doesn't have a career path. I think she could be part of the Japanese Olympic. That or just team. wrestling in general. Yeah, or wrestling. And so she's just um, so she just basically is like leaping through time, making sure she has the best day ever. She gets to eat her pudding. She 
passes the test. She uh, makes sure she doesn't light the home ec room on fire. Yeah, she changes spots with, with someone. Yeah. And basically her aunt is telling her, yeah, you're having a really good day and you're having a lot of fun, but you do realize that what you're doing will affect other people. And she goes, no, I'm just doing little things. And as we all know from watching sci-fi and time-traveling stories for our entire lives, that it's the little things that count, not the big things. Yes. And so she realizes that... She starts to realize that things are not going the way that they're planned. The guy that she changed places with is being harassed. Um, Dude, he just loses it. Yeah, he loses it, basically. He like starts beating people with like fire extinguishers. Yeah, and he like basically shoots a entire tank of of a fire extinguisher. And if you guys really don't know what is in a fire extinguisher, it's basically like liquefied carbon monoxide. It knocks out the oxygen. That's why it puts fires out. And so he's basically suffocating these people with this. Yeah, he goes insane. It's like dang, and all because he almost burned down the home ec room. Yeah, I mean, it, the reason he was doing that is because people were giving him crap, like spraying him down with water, yep. throwing, like, I don't know, some, like, udon noodles on his head and things like that. And he's just, he's basically just, he's just basically pushed to the limit. Yes. And so th that happens, and she basically almost gets killed again. Because she, he is going to throw a uh, the fire extinguisher at her head, and this thing is huge. It probably even empty weighs about fifty pounds. By the way, he's struggling with it. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, her, barely throwing it. And yeah, it's like launched like a freaking baseball. Right, exactly. And so she and her friend Chiaki tries to save her. And to save him, she leaves back in time, but hurts her other friend named Yuri, who is not a lesbian despite her name. Yes. And so things just start going to hell. Uh, Kosuke gets confessed to by a freshman and doesn't know what to say, and she feels bad about it. All of this keeps happening. All the stuff keeps happening, and eventually it gets to the point where... Well, ba well, basically, yeah, like, the things keep happening, but her interfering causes things to come out worse, where if she would have just left everything alone, it would have worked out, to, you know, maybe properly or whatnot, like, life should be, things just happen, but with her going back and meddling with it, she gets, uh, consequences not foreseen, um, you know, her friend gets injured because she went in time and blocked the fire extinguisher or something and it hit her instead right uh, you know and then the person she has a crush on goes out with the friend who gets hurt and so she basically becomes more miserable than she was for meddling with time than she did when she had the bad day and so it's basically just a moral story it's like be careful what you wish for it's mm -hmm. basically the premise for basically almost every time-traveling story that there ever was. It's just done very well. Oh, and man, the the, the 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 twist that we won't talk about 
right. was just so well executed. Right. I mean, the vec. The, and she got that very, phone call, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Right. Uh, the uh, the ending, like the ending, fifteen twenty minutes is absolutely fantastic, and it really makes me want to watch. Mamoru Hosoda's other project that came out more recently, which was called Summer Wars. Uh, recently... Oh, you've not watched that? I haven't watched that yet. Oh, no. great show. Um, are you into computers, though? Am I into computers and stuff? Yeah. yeah. You kind of got to suspend your imagination a bit. That's what I hear. Because I work in IT, and it's like, oh, come on, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I, But I, it's still a really fun heard. show. That's what I I've heard. I haven't watched it yet. I have to wait a while or find a torrent, which I'm not going to get any review copies from Funimation anyway. So I no, don't care. I, oh, yeah, that. same here. And it's it's cheap now. You can get it from Right Stuff for like twenty bucks on Blu-ray. Oh well, I don't have a Blu-ray player, so. <laughs> wow. Okay, DVD then, fifteen bucks. Yeah. yeah so it's been um, a little while, so it's. So Mamoru Hosoda is probably one of the, after, you know, after the disappointment of Shitoshi Khan because he died, I mean, I know that sounds terrible to say, but it's just like, come on, Satoshi Khan. Um, you know, Mamoru Hosoda is like the next big thing, and his projects all get critical acclaim. Uh, Summer Wars is supposed to be very good, like like you just said. And the girl who left through time, it has some flaws, but I mean, it was his, his first project that was outside of a uh, property that was already established. So I mean, it was a very good out first outing. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely pick it up and watch it. It's. Um it's really fun to watch because, like we were saying, you know, a lot of it's just her having fun and watching her correct all her mistakes from the previous day. But then it starts to get complicated. You're right. It, it gets serious. I mean... Yeah, and it complicated, I mean, yeah, serious. And, like, you start to see actions to her actions. And, you know, things aren't as friendly and fun anymore. And it's really interesting to see how that kind of... Ha how that all kind of comes together. Yeah, exactly. It's a good movie, and so definitely pick it up. Um, I mean, we've covered a lot of the plot. It's it's a very straightforward movie. It's not like a lot of high-profile anime movies that have been coming out recently. It's not complicated. And you know what was great, it's, too, was... It was great, too... Because there was no disgusting elements. There was no fan service. There was no disgusting, like, obscene perverted girls or lolly or nothing. It was like, this is why I like anime, the story. And it was the story that brought you to want to watch this show. You know, exactly. it wasn't some skeezy premise of like, aha, uh -huh, get to see stuff that might be illegal. Exactly. It's it's a, it's a, it's a straight up good movie. There's nothing in it that it could offend anybody. I mean, well maybe there is if you're like hyper religious or something, but I mean there's really nothing in it that will offend normal people. 
Let's just say that. No, yeah, nothing. This would be an easy movie for anyone to throw on and be like, come watch this with me. They probably don't even know it's anime. Right, I mean, I wouldn't mind showing this to maybe, like, my little brother who's, like, eight. This is, a, this is to me, cl- as close to a Disney movie as anime really gets. Mm-hmm. Not outside of pulling anything, out of, anything outside of Miyazaki. Right, and I, and I mean, even Miyazaki, I would... I would show this before any Miyazaki movies because while I like Miyazaki movies, a lot of them are very like graphically violent. Like that, still. and they always have an agenda of like being a hippie. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, have you like Spirited Away? Like I, when I watched that on the Cartoon Network, I hadn't seen that much blood on screen before, like the dragon bleeding, things like that. Nausicaa, Mononoke, they're they're violent films. They're good films. I won't say that they're not, but I mean, they do have a violent element to them. And this is just a comedy, or I, I, you know, I I guess what some people may call a dramedy. It's just a really good movie. Mm -hmm. It's, it's silly, it's, it's fluff, it's straightforward, and it teaches you a lesson at the end. It's just, Good. It's not the it's not the greatest movie ever made. I'm not going to say that, but it's it is a good as good as most anime films out of the. It's better than most anime films out of the last uh, few years or so or so because nobody in the anime business really knows how to make a movie anymore. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I just, love now it's just but oh good. Oh, I, I'm going to say, I like, I love Kenji Kamiyama, the guy who's directed uh, The Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex and Mori Bito and Eden of the East, but, you know, the Eden of the East movies aren't that great. No, gonna... they aren't, and I'm really bummed because I owned, I picked up Eden of the East pre-ordered, it was so great. And um, it seems like now all the movies are just nothing original it's all hey you like Yu-Gi-Oh here's the 9,000th Yu-Gi-Oh movie or here's a retelling of Evangelion or or whatever exactly so this is probably as good as anime movies get gets besides Ghibli or Khan or Satoshi Khan so anyway I guess that wraps up the uh, long-awaited uh, anime TKO episode of uh, the summer, um, and I'd like to thank Rob for coming back on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was really fun. Oh, not a problem. You're welcome anytime. All right. And so, so uh, next week, and I promise it's going to be next week, not three months from now. Um, I think I'm going to start talking about the Breakblade movies, which have recently uh, recently finished. Um, I'm just actually going to give you a little bit of a spoiler. They're not movies. They're OAVs that are very highly made. So, anyway, until next time, I am Zach, and we're signing off. Uh, All right. So, uh, thanks, Rob, for coming on.